Episode 27, Season 3 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. My name's Jav. Joining me this week, um, regular, regular on the show this season, um, and my co-host, John Steggles from Merchester. Good afternoon. And back again, contributor to the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast and host of the first-time, long-time podcast, Aaron Wolf from Boston. Hello. Hi gents. Right, let's begin with let's begin with today, shall we? Four nil against um, Stoke. That's three matches played against Stoke City for the last three consecutive games. Consecutive games, we've scored four in each and not conceded any goals. So that's twelve goals and none conceded. Um, what a way to bounce back after after the disappointment of Thursday. Um, John, if I come to you, um, what's your what's your take on the match? They must absolutely hate us. They really must absolutely despise us. Uh, it, it it looked like much the way we played against West Brom, where we just dominate them and the relentless pressure, the passing, the movement um, just wore them down. They didn't look organised in the first half whatsoever. They were looking for long balls over the top, which we could easily mop up. But it's far too easy against teams that don't press us or don't have anything in midfield. Charlie Adam was never, and his his mate were never going to control that midfield today. It it was it was easy easy game. I'd just like to say how that tackle on Yan wasn't a red card. I do not know that he should Wheeling. have been. He should, yeah, he should have been off for that. He really should. I've, I've seen people saying, well, it was early in the match and you you know, you know, don't want to book people and ruin the game. No, if it's a red card, it's a red card. He's got to go. He's got to walk. It was a disgusting tackle. Considering he's just come back from a, an ankle injury as well, yeah. for that guy to do that was was horrible. My heart, um, my heart did. I must say, I didn't have the best um, view from where I was in the park lane lower and I was quite low down to that. I didn't have the best view of the incident, but my heart did sink afterwards when I saw Jan. It took Jan a while to get up, and you know he's not somebody that's going to go down, and um, I was glad that he was back on both feet. Um, there was a couple of moments like that uh, for me where I just thought, oh god, we can't escape injury. We just can't get away from it, <laughs> and looks like, I mean, I don't know if, you've, if, if there's been any news about Jan or Toby, but they didn't look terrible. Precautionary. Um, they've yeah. tweeted their precautionary, and um, um, Murray, Mauricio said that they should be hopefully back next weekend. So, going by his words about injuries, they've probably got one leg between them, and we'll never see him again. <laughs> I think that um, so um, Toby's that was a groin injury, I believe. Yeah. Mm. Like it. Um, we don't play again till Sunday, Everton. There's no obviously no. Um, we're not involved in any FA Cup replays, and um, we're out of Europe. Um, so I, I think that 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 we uh, um, at four nil up, we're fairly comfortable. So yeah, why not take them off um, if they got they got little tweaks? They probably know their their, their bodies quite well, and 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 I'm, I'm sure that in a week from now that they'll recover. Um, 
the one thing about Stoke is that they've played us, as I said at the outset, they've played us on three occasions. Um, same manager, more or less the same players, um, give or take, and they've conceded four goals on each and every occasion. And you sort of think that Mark Hughes would, by now, know how to um, uh, uh, combat our style, however effective we are. And, and, and I know when we're... F- when we've got a strong team and, and we're our very best, we are an unstoppable machine. I think we're, we're formidable force for anybody. Um, but evidently, he doesn't know that, um, which says a lot about his shortcomings as a manager, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of managers that don't know how to play us, but there's a lot of managers that don't know how to play top four teams, mm-hmm. really. They don't learn how to, to, to counteract the press that we do. How did you see it, Aaron? Well, I, I just to me, their defense was uh, shambolic at the, at the very least. I mean, they were just they, they looked like they were barely present. You know, I, I scribbled down. It was a game of two halves, one in which they didn't have a defense and the other in which we didn't have one and they didn't have one still. Like it just was it was it was crazy to me to watch. Uh, I, I thought I thought we looked great. We looked confident. We looked uh, strong. We didn't look at our best, to be honest, Even, which is a funny thing to say with winning 4-0. But um, I, thought, I thought it was a testament to kind of the team's resilience after, after a tough loss, uh, after running their hearts off last week, which I don't know we'll come to. But I thought, I thought with all of that in in consideration it was a really 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 good showing and yeah they just by the time they decided to start to press us which seems to be the way to beat us actually right is to is to is to do a, a full press on us and and force us to um to beat the press in which we're prone to errors when we're playing out from the back by the time they decided to try that it was too late and and we were just too good i thought um i thought davis uh, is starting to come into his own a little bit yeah. after a, a bunch of shaky appearances, and I think that makes a huge difference when, um, you know, when our when wing backs are are able to kind of perform the way they're they're meant to perform. And he didn't have much to contend with, but there were times where he was more advanced than Delhi, and he was more he was inside while Delhi was on the outside. You know, he was he was all over the place. And I thought he had a really good game, and he that looked, makes a he huge more difference. Composed on the ball, and I think yeah. that. When you haven't played football for a particular period of time um, and you come into the team, sometimes some players, it takes some time to, time to adjust. And particularly I find with fullbacks, so I, I find a mark of a good, well, one of the marks of a good, good fullback is having that composure on the ball. Um, and I don't think Davis had that um, when he when he got his chance um, in the team this season when, when Rose has been injured or, or, or suspended. Um, but I always felt that if he was given a run run of games, that would come. And I think today he played very well. I, I think even on Thursday, he didn't play too badly, I think. No, um, no he was good. And look, we, we've got to understand as fans um, that he isn't Danny He isn't Danny Rose. Danny Rose, has, has his game has come on leaps and bounds. Um, but he's Ben Davis is very good at being Ben Davis. And today he, he played um, to his potential. Um, and obviously it helped having... Playing with a back three helps having Jan there um, on the left-hand side, who I think can 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 cover when Davis goes forwards, um, and vice versa. 
Um, Jan likes to get forward in, in a three, so I think we, we've got that fluidity. When when we've got Jan back, um, and we can go back to a three, particularly with Jan and Dyer, we've got that fluidity because both of them can cover the fullback positions if need be, um, and that gives Davis that maybe that peace of mind that he knows that he got he's got Jan behind him. Did you um, listen to um? Did you listen to the extra inch, the tactics pod uh, from the Fighting Cock this I week? I did. Yes, I listened to it this morning. Because they had a really interesting take on <clears throat> on Potch's three at the back, where when it's when it's Dyer, Yan, and Toby, it's almost as though it's one at the back, and the other two push up into either into defensive mid or they 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 go so wide as to be the the fullbacks which really give all the security to um walker and rose or walker in this case davis and i thought that was really evident today you could really see it that um if it wasn't yan pushing forward then it was dire and 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 um and we looked dangerous as a result and and that, that's absolutely right and, and and just following on from what was what was mentioned in in the fighting cock the extra inch podcast um that that system we saw it against john john you and i saw it at west brom when yan was pushing yep. forward a, a lot but also we've got the sitting players like dembele and um uh winyama who, who can drop back um, yeah so it, it's 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 really fluid and it was unfortunate when yan got injured and i think a lot of our problems the last few weeks stem from yes obviously losing danny rose is a blow but when we lost yan other than Man City um, away, which he went with a back three, after that, Maurizio re- um, reverted back to um, a back four. Um, but with Jan coming back now, we've gone back to a back three, and, and I think, it, as you said, Aaron, it, it, um, we, we benefit from that. I, I think, by the way, um, overall, the whole performance of the team, I couldn't, I didn't see a weak link today. Um, I think we played, every player played really, really well. Yeah, there was excellent performances. Dyer was good today. He needed a a, um, a bit of a boost after midweek. Uh, Jan was was exceptional. He's the one that hit the bar. He was so unlucky with that. That was a cracking shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, push, pushing forward is what he does well. I think I'd like to see Dembele push forward a little bit further with the, the way he bursts with the ball and uh, the the running and the people he can take on. If he was a bit f- bit further up the pitch from where he's he's been playing recently, I think he'd be more dangerous because then you're committing people literally on the edge of the box and let the, you know you'll push defenses right back. And I think that could serve as well. Um, but that that uh, my only criticism that I could level really. Yeah, you see, when Winks came on, he sort of took up that position further up the pitch. And it definitely, um, for the little that you know, the little that he that he played, he, you saw how the the play changed as a result. There was a lot more right around the box during that during that period of time. Yeah, I've I've got no fear when Winks comes on. He's such amazing. a lovely little player. He's great. It's ama- Good on he's, am- he's amazing. And I had no idea he <clears throat> he's been with the club since he was six or something. I, yep. I heard today. That's correct. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. There'll be no pictures of him with a goon shirt on then coming up. <laughs> That's right. They, they do. I mean, the the, the um, life cycle of a footballer at, at Tottenham does can potentially start at that age. Um, when I was at Hotspur Way a few weeks ago, um, they were talking about that and about the fact that um, they can bring them in as early as six years old and potentially they could they could go all the way. And and Harry Winks is is the 
perfect example and embodiment of, of our youth system um, of somebody that successfully gone all the way through I'll tell you another thing that I learned about him today. He's not been on, out on loan a single time in that entire stretch, wow. which is, I think, <clears throat> says 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 tons about um, the mentality of the club of, of keeping keeping the the talent at the club and train them and give them the experience and the and the and the teaching um, control that teaching from from our point of view. And then um, if they ha- if you know, send them out on loan if they're not succeeding. Ultimately, is what it seems to be the mentality. Well, and he's he's incredible. Under under Mauricio, I think I've said this a few times on, on previous pods, but um, that there is a tendency um, for him to to do exactly that to keep the players that he wants, the young players that he wants, um, even if they don't. <clears throat> for example, like um, Marcus Edwards this season, even if they don't feature, and he only played against Gillingham coming off the bench, even if they don't feature, he likes to keep them. Um, with the first team squad rather than loan them out. Now in the past, for example, um, at, at a number of clubs, I remember the early 90s, uh, Man United um, uh, loaned out David Beckham to various clubs. I think Preston was one of the clubs he, he was loaned out and it was to, in order for, for that player to get first team experience. Um, albeit at a, at a lower level. Um, um, more recently, Spurs, we, we loaned out Harry Kane a few places and, and Andros Townsend for exactly those reasons. With Maurizio Pochettino, it seems to be if you get loaned out, and examples of this are um, oh god, who was a player that um, was at Brentford that we sold um, really talented names, names just completely gone um, he was going to no, I don't know. It could have been either. one of many. Could have been one of many. Yeah, brain's the list is the my, list of people brain, that have been. My brain's just frozen. There was somebody in recent, in recently, um, and I can picture him, but the name's just completely. We loaned him out to um, Brentford, and he, he was a revelation. Anyway, um, it'll come back to me later. Um, but um, the, pl- the players that tend to get loaned out, Luke McGee, for example, reserve goalkeeper, they will almost certainly not come back and play for Spurs right. um, but as you say someone like Winks or, um, or, or Josh Onimer they are they, well, they, don't, they don't get much game time okay Winks is getting quite a bit um, he wants them to be with the first team to be integrated and um, uh, yeah that, that's that is that's that's quite telling that he's, he's been with Spurs as you say all this time Alex Pritchard Yes. Oh, now, right. now at Norwich. Now, now at Norwich. Norwich. Yeah. 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 That's the one. It, it, you know, it says it says a ton about Potch's mentality, and it and it absolutely makes sense, right? First of all, why would you trust somebody else to train your players the way you want them to to be trained, even if it's for first team experience? If if the option if if the way he works is let 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 the the players that are hot prospects come up from the youth ranks train with the first team, with the Tottenham first team, you don't have to play to get serious, good experience on the training pitch. And if you look at clubs like Chelsea, who have, I think, more loan players out on loan almost every season than any other club, almost none of those players come back to the club um, and and feature. They almost always sort of disappear. You never hear about them. Um, they, they always end up bringing in talent from outside. And I, and And... You know, you look at a player like Harry Winks, I don't know, at this point for me, I don't know how it is for you two, but I feel about him almost the same as I, as I feel about Harry Kane. 
Obviously, he's not the same kind of talismanic striker. He's not winning us games. But I feel that same pride when he's on the pitch that um, – that he is a product of of our team. He's a he's 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 one he's of, of our own, own right? Yeah. He's 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 one yeah. of us, and it's it's absolutely phenomenal to watch him come on. And he's a, a child. He's a child, but he's he's uh yeah. There's no fear when he's on the pitch. It's uh, it's wonderful. I think I said last week he's he's 22 still. He's yeah. you know he's he's as old as the wonder kid Sessegnon at Fulham that everybody's raving over, and he's very much under the radar and not being picked up by anybody. I don't know. But again, uh, you know, just shows the media not taking any attention to to what we're doing. Yeah. Winks is 19, I think, still. Oh, is it 90? There you go. Even younger. Sorry, I got Um, that wrong. Yeah. um, But, you know, he's a a young lad and he should be, people should be lauding him. The media should be, you know, he's the next great thing. I feel, Um, I feel with Winks that um, if we have a strongest 11, he's, he's, he's at number 12. He's, he is a player just knocking on that door that's ready to go you know he or he's 11 and a half if that makes sense probably makes no no sense at all i'm talking <laughs> but 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 i'm trying to i'm trying to say that he is he is on the cusp of, of of being a first team player um and he can he is the sort of player that at the moment we i'm i've got no qualms about Maurizio starting him um but equally if he's on the bench he's he's such a good player that can just come in straight away and and offer so much um, you mentioned Harry Kane, um, another hat trick today. That's that's two back to back. Well, I know we played Ghent in the middle of the week, but that's, that's a hat trick, at least in domestic football, two back to back hat tricks. Um, and his hundredth goal. And his hundredth goal. goal. Yep. And um, Delhi Alley. We'll talk about it in a bit. Good, good, good to see him get a goal um, after Thursday. Um, the Stoke City fans, um, we were where we were sat, we were quite close to the Stoke City fans and it was quite amusing um, singing Stoke City, it's happening again, it's happening again. Um, uh, the Hey Jude number, your shit. Um, they, um, they uh, towards the end, they were mocking us and, and mocking our Champions League for failure, which I thought was actually quite pathetic because if that was a United or an Arsenal or a Chelsea, I'd, I'd be like, fine, fair enough. They've got pedigree in, in Europe, but it's Stoke City. When have they ever played in the Champions League? Um, and uh, yeah, I think it was a frustration had, had borne out by that point. There was uh, a great shot of the crowd... Um, I think it was just on half time and it was just the Stoke City fans and they were stood there like in disbelief of what had happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we blew them away in that first half. They really, really did. It's probably one of the best halves of football I've seen us play. Um, we've, I mean, we've played some great football of the season as well, but you know, this, that first half was just absolute destruction. It really was. They never had an answer for anything we had. So that um, that win leaves us now second in the table, 10 points behind Chelsea, who, with 12 matches left, I think it's going to be a real tall order for us or anyone to catch them. Um, we're second in the table. Um, that's one point ahead of Man City, who have, get, who have a game in hand, but they won't play for a while because um, uh, the, whoever they were supposed to play today, um, that's been must have been either United or Southampton. That that's it's United. United, okay. So that's been rescheduled because of their involvement in the EFL. Um, so one point ahead of them. 
two points ahead of Arsenal. Sorry, three, po- three points even ahead of Arsenal. Again, their game has been rescheduled. And uh, United further down in six. Fine, they're not playing today. And Liverpool play four points ahead of them. Um, they play Leicester City on Monday. So if they win that, it's away from home. Um, might not be easy for them. I know Leicester City are struggling, but... New manager points, bounce. New manager bounce and, and, and all of that. Um, I should mention, though, Leicester City. So they, they fired um, Claudio Ranieri in, in, in the week. And I, I don't have any issues with Claudio Ranieri. I think he's he, I think he's a decent gentleman. I think he's, he's one of football's nice guys. But I couldn't help but laugh at at their predicament this season. Um, and particularly after Mares towards the end of 2016, said something along the lines of... Um, the biggest joke or the most funny thing or something along those lines for last season was Tottenham finishing third when they were challenging for the title and at the time I just thought well and they were quite they were poor at, the, at that time Leicester was struggling when he said that and I thought wouldn't it be nice if they could if, if, they, if they were relegated and uh, they are I believe in the bottom three at the moment they uh, it, if you ask me the question would I put Tottenham in the same position of Leicester as after winning the league last season I'd say yes I'd take us winning the league and struggling at the moment just so our names on that pot it's been a while <laughs> so, you know we've won a premiership you know that can't be taken away from Leicester however poor they are they won the premiership you know however many teams didn't play against them however many dodgy decisions they got for Vardy to score how many refs gave, got let their defence get away with murder? They still won the Premiership. Would you say the I'd... same? Would you say the same if 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 we were in that scenario but ended up getting relegated? Well, we've won the Premiership. It's still, you know, we've won the Premiership. We have our name on that. Imagine the parties we'd have had if we'd have won the Premiership. They'd be have better, our name on be that better than Jamie Vardy's shit parties. Um, well, <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, help me out here. Um, you, surely, surely you'd rather us finish third and maybe second this season than than finish the league and, and then struggle the next i'm with i'm with john here i'm afraid <laughs> i mean you can't yeah i yeah there's no i can't imagine a feeling that would have been better i can't i can't imagine how good it must have felt for them and had we not folded in the way we folded last season and i don't think there's anything i wouldn't trade it for maybe my kids Maybe my kids. Maybe I wouldn't trade the kids. But other than my kids, I don't think there's anything I wouldn't trade it for. And I don't think relegation uh, – I don't remember where I heard it. But um, somebody was mentioning that you know relegation, it feels like – it feels horrible. I can't imagine how bad it must feel in the moment. But the next season, you're playing – you're still playing football. And now you've got something to play for. You're trying to get back up. You've got a parachute payment so that you're not in financial ruin. Uh, it's not as though suddenly you're you've got one eye on the the Premier League and you've got one eye on the Championship. You're just focused on the, on the league that you're playing in. I'm sure they'll their fans will have fun next year if they go down. Um, they're not going to not support their team, and if they don't support their team, then fuck them. Ultimately, yeah. So yeah. I would I would take the, I would take the Championship every day. Okay. The, the, but Wenger's done a, a magical thing by getting fans of teams to accept mediocrity by not winning anything and just finishing in those Champions League places year after year after year. They're accepting that as being, you know, a good season. I would take winning the league and then being shit shocking for the next one any day of the week over that. That moment of glory, 
I think that Jeff, I, 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 I think, think I think ha- we just called you a plastic gooner. Jeff. I think that I'm just going to ignore that. I think <laughs> I think I think the fact that I think for me, given, um, uh, given for example the '90s and 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 the early noughties and 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 how poor Tottenham were at the moment. The last few years we've gone from and it started really with, with Martin Yell. We 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 were a top five team under him, finishing fifth twice, and then we break into the Champions League and we sort of fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth, yoing. And I feel now that we are a top four club. Although it's a very congested field at the moment this this season, and it will be tough to finish in there. But I think we're somewhere second, third, or fourth, first. Maybe not this season now. Um, but I feel more than anything, we, for me, the importance of, of what Pochettino is doing, and I've said this before, it's a, it's a project. I, I know that John loves that word. Um, and the narrative is that we're... <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> he's building the foundations for the future and, and, and not like Wenger, but actually sustaining that su- su- success year in, year out and hopefully... Hopefully, eventually, it will bear fruit and we'll become champions, and then we'll become champions again the next season, rather than one season wonder. But I, I see, I see what you're saying about Leicester, and don't get me wrong, I would have loved that glory last season. Um, just back on the table, so uh, best defence, only 18 conceded. Um, the nearest uh, to us are Chelsea, 19. Goal difference, second best behind Chelsea. We've got 36. We've got 32 goals scored. We're now on 50, which isn't too far off. City 51, Arsenal, Liverpool 54, and Chelsea 55. And people keep telling me we're not having a good season, um, but we are where we are. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about Thursday, Gents. Um, we'll come to the obvious in a minute, um, the obvious point of discussion, which which is the the the, the Delhi incident. But overall, what what are your feelings about Thursday, Aaron? Uh, it's disappointing to go out. Uh, it's disappointing to go out to a team that we probably should have done better against in the away leg. Um, but in with taking the circumstances into consideration, if that's not going out with glory, then I don't know what is. I thought with 10 men, we played incredibly hard. We were, we were wonderful to watch. It was, you know, I honestly, it's, it's sort of what I live for when I'm watching Tottenham. And when I'm watching sport in general, is an underdog team, which we were once we lost, once we lost Delhi, um, fighting back and putting up the fight of their life. And there's a reason why Rocky and uh, the Bad News Bears are great movies. You know, you don't always win, right? But if 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 you give that kind of fight and you play with that type of passion, and there is not a single drop of anything left in those guys at the end of that game um barring an unlucky own goal from from Kane and you know a couple of other what if circumstances um we could have gone through but i you know it's disappointing to to come out of europe uh it's just to me the greater disappointment is we did that we didn't do better on the away leg i thought the game was well played and well fought and um i i can't fault the guys to be honest I thought it was a gutsy, gutsy performance from us. They they gave everything. Like, you know, they were blowing out their asses by the end of it. Uh, 99 times out of 100, we would have won that game. You know, we created chances. We played so well. And, it, you know, uh, the referee on the night was appalling. And just jumping ahead to the, to the alley challenge, I think that was probably the only thing on the night that he got right. 
Um, there were so many instances of niggly fouls and fouls by Ghent that were were just you know it's a free kick, nothing given. And then when our players saying why aren't you booking him, ref? They get they get a yellow card. You know there was lots of fouls going on on Walker, and Walker makes one foul and he gets a yellow card. He was appalling. He was absolutely appalling. You don't want to say that he was probably maybe bought off, but it, it, from certain areas it looks like it. Yeah, the referee. Okay, the referee was poor. Um, I thought the way we started the match was really good. I thought we were at the front foot right from the beginning. Um, we were pressing high up. Um, obviously, good to have Jan back playing with back three. Everything was good about the way we started. Um, we got the early goal. Um, and despite the fact that the referee was was awful and he shouldn't have given them the corner which they scored from or which Harry Kane put into his own net, um, despite all of that and despite going down to ten men, we, we gave as you said Aaron a gut, um, John a gutsy performance and and I thought we 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 did we, we were the better team on the night. But ultimately, mm. it was how we played in the in the first leg away from home that cost us. Yeah. Um, I'm not too disappointed. A lot of Tottenham fans were disappointed on the night. To be honest, I've watched so much of Tottenham, but you know, new, losing to Newcastle on the last day of the season, five-one, that was a, that was a, an absolute utter humiliation. Losing that game when we should have finished second in the table, um, and countless other examples of us falling short have been disappointing. That Thursday wasn't disappointing, um, you know, and I felt that. You know, even if we had gone through, I didn't really think that we were going to go that far in the Europa. Um, the disappointing thing for me was our Champions League form earlier this season and then falling into the Europa. I, I, that doesn't rest easy with me. The whole concept of teams finishing third in the Europa, sorry, in the, in the Champions League and then falling out, falling into the into the Europa. It's a farce. Um, Absolutely, absolute yeah. And um, and our form in the Champions League this season. That was disappointing in our our campaign. Um, But it's, to me, there's a wider issue, which is our our away form. I think on the last pod last week, I I said this, which is, you know, if you look at Spurs in recent seasons, we haven't done particularly well away from home. Last season, although we we qualified out of our group um, in Europa, we were poor against Monaco and Anlecht away. Um, Even Fiorentina, I don't think we, we, we won out there. Um, you've got to go back in in terms of knockout football. Um, you've got to go back to six years ago to um, Crouch, Crouch, San Siro. And by the way, he was playing today, and we we were singing singing exactly that one nil in the San Siro, and he got a standing ovation when, when he came off, which, which was nice for, from our fans. Um, we, there is a wider problem, um, and that needs to be addressed. So I I wasn't too despondent. Deli Ali. Um, I just, just before we get to Deli Ali, I just, I just want to, I want to add that there's, there's two things that are that, that are connected to that. Uh, one is, and I, I know we've talked about this in the past, and um, and we can, we'll probably talk about it many, many, many times. But something ought to be said for Poch's team selection in the Champions League versus his team selection in the Europa League, and the the team that was selected last uh, at Ghent. Um, sorry, at Wembley against Ghent, was the kind of team that should probably have been selected uh, in the Champions League group stages. And there, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I wonder if it's related to the away form. There's a sort of um, almost chauvinism about English football that looks at a club like Ghent or 
any any number of teams that like that we've gone out to um, in the past few years and says we're, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We don't we don't have to show up playing as hard as as we normally do. This is it's not the Premier League. It's not they're not going to be that great. Even the way we looked at our group stage and said <laughs> it's sort of a Europa League group stage. You know, like we. we as fans, we did it. I have to imagine that the the team, to a certain ex- level, did it. I'm not questioning their professionalism or their their judgment. I just wonder if there's something subconscious that um, that is a, 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 about maturity. That maybe, you know, hopefully we qualify again for the Champions League next season, and Poch takes something away from this experience about choosing stronger sides, taking these these ties a little bit more seriously. Because I think you're right. It's 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 been poor. There's no question about it. But I think onto last, yeah, last 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 season he he kind of rested a lot of players, and it was almost B teams playing. I think we got when Dortmund we played Dortmund. It was it wasn't a full side, and he I think he's guilty of the, that again this season. I mean, if you look at the group, Monaco, Bayer Leverkusen, and CSK Moscow, everybody's going to go. We're going to walk it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe it's just arrogance on our part to think that, you know, it's all easy games. I mean, Monaco are the top of the French League. Then, <laughs> you know, they were never going to be an easy game. It's it, yeah, arrogance, I think. And it's, it's just a pity that another season we've not done anything. We must have some kind of record in the Europa League of the amount of games we've played and never making it to a quarter, semi or the final. It must have some kind of record of that at the moment. Um, I... <sighs> On the Champions League, uh, this is just off the top of my head, I think the, the only game that um, he was possibly guilty of doing that was Monaco away, um, which uh, when he rested Vertonghen and somebody else. And I think that was down to the fact that we had Chelsea in the next match and we didn't have, we had Danny Rose injured. Um, ben Davis was injured and he had to play somebody at left back and the only option would have been to play Vertonghen and he didn't play him against Monaco away because possibly because he thought he might pick up a knock and then we'd, we'd be really we're, we're, we're completely out of, out of options um he came um for much stick but I, I I don't know what else he could have done in that scenario I think he was caught between a rock and a hard place um the other games um just just purely from memory I can't recall the other Champions League matches that certainly the ones at Wembley which I think ultimately cost us um, the first two, I don't know if he played weakened teams in, in those games or, or not. As I recall, we had a few players injured. But I agree. Overall, in the Europa, in the FA Cup, we saw this at, um, against Wickham. There have been times when he's played weakened teams because he's probably perceived that that um, our opponents um, aren't as good as, as us and we've got the players, the backup players, and come in and, and, and do a job. I think maybe... There's a lesson to be learnt there, and actually our backup isn't as good as we perhaps think. And also, maybe if you are going to make changes, maybe make one or two, but not wholesale changes. Um, I'd like to think, you know, the last few matches, Fulham, Ghent on Sun on Thursday, he played strong teams pretty much. Um, I think was it Winks was the only player that came in on on Thursday against Ghent, or was that Fulham? One of those, I can't recall. I can't uh, recall. Might have, might have been, might have been Fulham because I think Dembele was on the bench for for, for, for for that game, but he he didn't make that many changes. If that's going to be the sign of things going forward, and he's going to pick strong teams, then I think that then that's a good thing. 
Um, the Delhi incident. Okay, I'm not going to go into it in great depth, but my thoughts on it are this. I, I saw it at the time. My immediate thought was, and I was quite a distance away, immediate thought was um, the decision hadn't been given uh, um, for us um, and uh, for a free kick. He was frustrated. He self-evidently showed that frustration. And as soon as he did what he did, even from where I was sat, I thought red card straight away. So he got a, he got a red card, and that's the first red card we've had since Fazio, I think, in October, November of 2014 against Man City. Um, there's a blast for them from the past, Fazio. Um, <laughs> and um, I've seen it a few times since, and it doesn't look good. Um, my only thought on it is this: is we know that Deli Ali has a temperament and I remember when he broke into the, the, the team last season there were little, small incidents little niggly incidents and I at the time said he's got to be careful and he's, he's, he's got to curb that that side of his game and he shouldn't be petulant and one day it will cost him and it did when he punched Jakob Jakob or Jakolt Jakolt's yogurt um, the guy <laughs> played for, 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 for West Brom last season and um, that cost, cost him or cost us by being suspended, and, and obviously we, we saw that the other night. Um, uh, I don't wouldn't go as far as saying it cost us the match because I think even with with ten men we we were we we, we were uh, um, we looked strong, and I think ultimately I think the first leg proved to be costly. Um, the thing that really annoys me is some of our fans saw it on social media. I saw it at Wembley um, were quite scathing and critical of Ali and, and using certain words to describe him. I understand that people are frustrated and that's fine and that, and, and, and people are entitled to their opinions but what annoys me, annoys me and I don't know if this is the case in the States Aaron but particularly in, in, in Britain people tend to, we have a tendency to um, treat people that uh, stars go from hero to zero very quickly so a few months ago, Deli Ali's flavour of the month, he scores two against Chelsea, for example, um, and everybody wants to have his children. Um, then he gets it terribly wrong um, on on Thursday. He loses his head, um, and that incident could have been, could have, could have, you know, could have ended the career of, of, of the other player. Um, and then suddenly he's, you know, fans are hurling abuse at him. And then today... I guess he redeems himself by scoring a goal, um, and and maybe some of that's forgotten. Um, but I was even reading today on social media, a lot of people were saying, "Delhi owes us a goal today. He owes us something. He doesn't owe us anything. I don't. I don't. You know, he he's made a mistake. He's got to learn from that mistake. Um, but I, I don't know. I I just think sometimes we fans can be fickle and and go from one extreme to to, to the next and just just take a bit more of a measured response to it. That's that's my two pennies worth on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I've, I'm with you. Uh, it was a bad challenge. It was a really bad decision. He's really young, and he's made a terrible choice. And if I were judged by all of my terrible choices, <laughs> no one would let me out of the house. And... <laughs> <laughs> like obviously he's he's a professional. He's getting paid a lot more than 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 me to make good choices. But I I don't I don't know I I you know I don't believe for a second that he went into that challenge thinking I'm going to hurt this guy really really badly. I think he went into that challenge kind of daring the ref not to make the call. 
I think it w- turned out much worse than 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 he thought it was going to be, and that's he can't know where the guy's going to be at that exact moment when he goes in for that challenge. It could have just been a yellow card. Uh, of course, it wasn't. It was a red card offense, but. Had the guy not lunged in, had 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 he been six inches away, it would it wouldn't have been. It would have just been a really ugly yellow card. Um, to hold him, to judge him on his worst moments is to completely ignore his best qualities. I for and and I think I think uh, there are there there's plenty to be critical of him. I think he may go down too early too easily. I think he may kind of disappear from a game a little bit too frequently and then show up with a moment of of absolute magic. But I don't think, barring those two incidences um, and a few other moments of, of petulance, he doesn't strike me as a person who has gone out to cynically hurt another player on any other club. He's made some bad choices, and I think he deserves as many chances as... Um, the manager's willing to give him. He's not Charlie Adam, is he? No, no, no. He, do you know he's he, he's a young he's a young kid who will learn, but you can't take that fire out of his belly. I think the best endorsement he got today was after five minutes, the crowd was singing his name. Yeah, you know that that was you know it, he for everything he's done, they can't pitch it on one moment of impetuousness. Um, yes, it was a rash tackle. Yes, it was a bad decision. Yes, it probably cost us on the on the night. But he's going to have plenty more chances to to bang in a goal against Arsenal that will take us above above them, you know, to win us another cup final, to do something good. He's still a young player and he's got a long way to go. I can forgive him. I'm not I'm not going to knee jerk and just you know cast aspersions on him or anything like that. He he'll learn from that and he has come down. You're right. You know, he's he's not a yogurt yogurt puncher anymore, Jav. He, <laughs> You know, he, he, he has calmed down and you can see and maybe that's what's missing from him. He needs to have that fire and that little bit of anger playing the game on the edge, you know, on the on the edge, going over too easily and, and putting those tackles on and making, you know, getting up in people's faces. He maybe needs to be in that place a little bit more. And that's probably what might turn his season around. You never know. Um, right. OK, so we've got lots of questions from listeners that we will address in the second half of the podcast. Um, but before we do, here is Bex with this week's Spurs Ladies update. Hello, um, it's Bex. What a great day for Spurs all round. I've just been following on Twitter. Who knew that following a penalty shootout on Twitter could be so bloody stressful? So today the ladies played in the Capital Women's Cup final. That It was at Chesson. Their opposition was Crystal Palace Ladies. Game was one all at the end of normal time. I sat here, I fully expected it to go to extra time because that's what happens before it goes to penalty shootout. Um, this was added to the fact that Palace had a player sent off in the 90th minute. So um, I was thinking, extra time, great. They've got 30 minutes to play there with, against 10 men. We should win this. Um, only to find that the referee, for whatever reason, and I don't know what yet, said no straight to penalties. I suspect it might be because the ground they're playing at no, actually, it was at Chesson, so that should be OK. They've definitely got floodlights there. Perhaps they don't have enough money to put the lights on at this stage of the season. Anyway, so the girls have just gone through one all, but 6-5 that they won on penalties. Megan Lynch, the keeper, has saved two of those penalties, three of those penalties. Absolutely awesome. Final penalty was scored by Jenna Scalacci, the skipper. So that is an absolute perfect way to lead your team. 
I'm still a little bit excited. So on the top of um, the lads winning 4-0 and Kane getting a hat-trick, to see the girls go through again to a cup that they actually lost last year to Charlton Ladies, who yet again will be their opponents this season. Charlton won 8-1 yesterday. In other news, anybody that missed the um, draw for the next round of the FA Cup this week, the girls have been drawn against Arsenal Ladies FC and that's going to be on the 19th of March and that's at Boreham Wood at 2 o'clock. That's another Sunday kickoff. So um, be good to get there if you can. Their next game is Sunday the 5th of March and that is a Women's Premier League Cup. That's against Cardiff. That's at Chesson. That's next Sunday the 5th of March at 2 o'clock. Be good to go and see them. While Spurs ladies have been very heavily involved in the cup matches, it doesn't mean that everybody else has forgotten the league. So we are currently in second in the league, having played 11 with 31 points. League leaders are Cardiff, who have played 12 and they have 31 points also. So we still have a game in hand. Anyway, we're still unbeaten in everything. All all cup competitions thus far. I'm sorry, I still can't speak. I'm really, really hyper. Anyway, so that's it from the girls' front. Any questions, I'm on Twitter, at BunchesBex. Um, and I'm going to go and calm my excitement down with a shot of espresso or something. OK, cheers. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the second half of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Thank you, Bex, as ever. And um, just following on from what she said, congratulations, of course, to the Spurs ladies for reaching the Capital Women's Cup final. Well done. Congrats. Right. Um, what I was going to say. Um, a few things I should mention. So, Neville Bentalab... Um, uh, one of these days, I'll, I'll get his name pronunciation right. Um, uh, probably won't have to worry about that anymore. Um, but he's um, a, a deal's been agreed with um, who was it? Was it Schalke? Schalke. 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 Yep. Um, and he will be joining them in the summer. Um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I read it somewhere like something like 16 million. Which, if that's the case, that's a that's a good amount of money that we've made on him. Somebody who's come through the the youth setup. Um, anyway. Best of luck to him. Um, I think him, uh, while it didn't really work out for him last season, um, that first season under Pochettino, himself and Ryan Mason were an integral part of that team. So, so good luck to the fella. Um, is he the last on our books, or is, or is Fazio still on our books? Fazio, I think Fazio's become permanent as well. I no, think. has he? I feel I thought that was still alone. Was it? Okay, I thought oh, yeah. well, something had been agreed um, with a view or becoming permanent in the summer. Um, Anyway, matter of time, even if it hasn't. Right, um, in the EFL game, it's 2 all, which is quite amusing, that United were 2-0 up, and um, Southampton have pegged them back. Uh, what else was I going to say? Uh, um, fellow Tottenham fan, Ralph Sharp. Um, it's his birthday today. Um, happy birthday, Ralph. Um, what else? Um, we talked about the... Uh, right at the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned, um, Aaron, the... Fighting Cock Extra Inch podcast. Um, so I met Bardi um, from the Fighting Cock um, today. Um, we had a good chat about about Spurs and about um, the Extra Inch and uh, uh, yeah, all, all manner of things Tottenham. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, also met, met today um, a lady called Anna. Um, she's got a vlog um, which is really good, um, and uh, you can check it out. Um, her YouTube pa- page is Anna XY Sports, um, and I think particularly for, for people that um, that don't get the opportunity to go to Spurs, they, they might, for example, overseas um, listeners, um, if you want to get a good idea of 
um, the sort of match day experience, going to the ground, everything um, while you're there, and then and that sort of thing, then then check out her blog. Um, right uh, before we do questions, predictions for um, next Sunday, Everton, Everton at home. John, tougher, tougher game. I'm going for two. Did I did I say Stoke would be three? I can't remember. I can't recall. Uh, but I, I th- I'm sure we. I'm sure I said we will smash them. But I'm going to go for Everton. It'll be a bit tougher. It's going to be two two one. I think two one. Okay. Aaron. Yeah. Just just to be different than you, I'll say two nil. But I have a feeling it's going to be two one as well. Um. Well, I, I think that I mean Everton always give us a difficult game, and they tend to give us a difficult game at Goodison Park. I don't think that. We drew with them last season, as I recall, nil 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 early early in the season. But they haven't won at White Hart Lane for a very very long time. Um, off the top of my head, and somebody can check this, but I believe the last time they beat us at White Hart Lane was 1992. I, I was probably at that game. Um, <laughs> so that's all of what 25 years ago. Um, yeah, I, would, I was probably at that one. I wasn't even born then. Um, <clears throat> um, and uh, I think that they'll give us a tough game, but I think it will be two nil. I think it depends on it, who we have back in the in the defence. If if Jan and Toby are there, no problems. But other people in there, I could see Lukaku causing us causing some issues. So it just depends who's in that defence on the day. Oh, they'll be back. They'll be back. Right. Um, let's and finish. Danny Rose is meant to have uh, had a setback, right? So. If he's not back, that's also Davis is doing well, but uh, you know it's always a question mark. I think I think yeah, I, I, we'd we'd all like Danny Rose back, but but um, Davis at the moment he's he's put some form together um, and run a game, and I think that I don't think it'll be the end of the world necessarily if Danny Rose isn't back by next week. But but yeah, definitely Jan and Toby. I. I it didn't look. Too, I think mean, yeah. Neither neither of, neither of the, the, their injuries looked serious, so hopefully they should be back. Um, right, we've got some questions. Um, as ever, if you want to send us questions, you can do so via the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast Facebook page. You can send us questions via Twitter. The handle is at thf podcast. Um, first one from our very own. Rebecca Braddock, who asks, was today's results a reaction to Thursday's disappointment? How much of a bollocking did Poch give them? Probably a very large one. But then I don't know how justified that is because I don't think he could have asked any more of the players. Um, I think they were, you know, maybe we played within ourselves a little bit today, but I think today was just a continuation of the good form that we've had. So maybe there wasn't much shouting. Maybe there was just more of, come on, just keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. You'll get the result. So I got curious at during the half uh, time break, and I was thinking about um, games after we've, we've gone out of Europe, how we performed. In the past four seasons, after we've gone out of European competition, we've won 3-0, 3-2, 3-2, and 3-1. So... Either it's the monkey off the back or the manager is giving them an earful. But either way, this is sort of true to form. I had sort of felt we were going to um, dip and I was worried, especially after having gone down to 10 men. But apparently we react well to a defeat. I think today's result would have happened anyway, regardless of um, Thursday. Um, 
Uh, I think you know when when we've got all our players fit, um, which we do at the moment, apart from Rose and Lamella, but we've got we, we, otherwise it's it was strongest team um, playing with the back three. Um, a, a team like Stoke don't stand a chance. Um, uh, I imagine he gave them a hefty bollocking. Um, I don't. I think that um, yeah, I don't think he was too pleased with 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 Thursday um, but uh, we move on onwards and upwards um, a question from Kent Goodrich anyone still backing Janssen to come good a horrible silence um, <laughs> yes I mean, at 4-0 you'd have thought will he come on and get some game time and have 10-15 minutes if it wasn't for Jan and Toby going off I think he would have you know, we were stuck that we had to, you know, take the precautionary measure of taking those two off to make sure that they don't, they don't damage themselves. Um, but yeah, I think he'll still come good. But then there's a lot of pe- he took people off saying Harry, he, he took off Harry Kane and bought on Son, not Janssen. I'm sort of I'm sort of glad at that point. I'm sort of glad that he hadn't didn't bring on Janssen to give him another kind of garbage four minutes at the end of a game where his confidence isn't going to get any better, where the fans are just going to get on him if he misplaces a pass. I, I'd have preferred him to come on with 30 minutes left, um, but with five minutes left, I'm glad that it was Son who, doesn't, who can just run around a bit and be fine. He's first off the bench anyway, so he's always going to come on in, uh, when Kane goes off. The real question is, will... The pod go a week without a question about Jansen. <laughs> yeah, and him coming yeah it's getting quite boring. I mean, okay, so here, I've got a question. So let's just assume that um, you're right, Aaron. I mean, little cameo appearances at the end aren't really going to help him. Um, but you would have thought that maybe, maybe he would have got more of a start. For example, when we played um, when we played Wickham earlier on in the season in the cup and against some of those supposedly lesser teams. I know he came on the bench and came off the bench that day and, and he did quite well. But it seems that those opportunities are now few and far between. So I'm figuring he's not going to feature that much from now to the end of the season as, we, as we're in the business end of the FA Cup and, and the league. Um, so where do you go from here um, if you're Janssen or, or, or Tottenham Hotspur? Do we... Do we just say, well, well, we'll regroup in the summer, we'll go away on pre-season, he'll come back and he'll be looking sharp and so forth? Or um, uh, do we look to replace him? And then, in fact, the next question was from Sam Moore, who says, considering that Poch doesn't rate Janssen, who do you think will replace him in the summer? Doesn't he rate Janssen? How do we know? Right. Has, has he said has he said anything? I thought, I, thought he, I thought he publicly said something like he's not doing enough in training. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the same as as not rating him. I yeah. think I think he did say that, and I think uh, he was very clear in the press that um, that there's that Janssen has to work harder. Um, but at, there was a there was an excellent um, there's a podcast from NBC Sports Network, Men in Blazers, which is generally speaking not great. One guy is a Chelsea fan, and the other is is a Everton fan, but they. They had a special this week um, where they interviewed Pochettino, Hugo Lloris, and John McDermott about about the club, and um, and it was it's excellent. It's really worth tracking down and listening to, just to hear Pochettino talk a little bit about 
how hard um, he trains the team and how hard uh, he's how high his expectations are, and also to hear McDermott talk about the academy system and how special it is and how special I mean, we talked talked about it with Harry Winks, but how special. Um, Mauricio's relationship is with the academy but my takeaway from listening to that personally was there's plenty of room for Jansen to show up in training and if he doesn't feature again I think you're right I think he's not going to feature very much unless he turns things around in training until the end uh, before the end of the season I think next summer will will matter enormously right if he shows up and he loses some weight and he um gets really serious. He's a young guy still. Um, I think he's he 22. A, is he 22? Yeah. He's 22. Yeah. So he has room. He has a lot, a lot, a lot of room to improve. Um, no one, no one thought Lamella was going to come good. The one thing that, that Jansen has is a slightly less uh, of a albatross around his neck with the, with the transfer fee. But um, no one thought Lamella was going to come good, and he did. And I think the same... Is possible for Jansen. It's just a question of whether or not he puts the work in. I I, I don't think Poch doesn't rate him. I just think he doesn't trust him right now. And we've seen what Poch does with players that he doesn't trust. His first, the first thing he does is he makes them work really fucking hard. If they can't do that, then he gets rid of them. And at, at this point, we don't know what what how hard he's working him. We don't know what his feelings are on um, the training pitch. We just know that he's he's still got he's still around, right? Yeah. Let's not forget, he came in for Kane when he was injured, so just thrust straight into a team that he didn't understand, had little bonding with, and and had to try and make an impression. So that's going to, you know, if you don't do it in that kind of situation, it's going to have an effect on you. I I think if that hadn't have happened, he would have probably got more time in the games. But I think what happened with him being thrust into the spotlight at the start of the season probably, you know, knocked his confidence a little. Yeah. So we'll see. I think I'm, I'm... I've, I've, I gave up on Sissoko after one game, but I'm sticking with Janssen. It, and, and as far as who you replace him with, it's like an, it, that's an enormous question. It's an enormous question because we've seen how our buying power is not great, in particular because we don't pay very high wages. So we're not going to attract massive talent from Europe. And the talent that we attract from Europe, there's a steep learning curve for playing in the Premier League. So we have to find somebody within the league that we can that we can poach essentially um maybe from a team going down of the te- of the players that are potentially going down the only one I can think of and I think he had a, he committed a huge transfer wave um is uh Slimani from from Leicester City. I haven't seen him play that much but I know that he's he's uh scored some nice goals and you know his YouTube highlight reel is like decent looking, right? But I don't because everybody, of how difficult listen, everybody. If I was a professional footballer, yeah. I'm sure I could put together a, exactly, a, a YouTube exactly. reel that would look really good. Exactly, and everyone's going to be going for him when, once 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 Leicester goes down. If they go down, the 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 buying power is such that I would mu- I sincerely hope that the club invests more effort in getting Janssen to come good than to bring in another player that we have to then bring up to speed. Get them to learn Pach's methods, get them to buy into Pach's methods, and then learn this, what is becoming an extremely complicated system that we play in terms of the fluidity and, and the movement that everybody's expected to to be able to cope with. Um, so 
that that that's 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 the short answer for me is that I I don't know who could replace him and I Lukaku. hope that we we don't. Sorry, Lukaku, uh, Gabbiadini at Southampton. Yeah, good shout. Good shout. Um, yeah. The 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 thing is, whoever you buy, he isn't going to get in over and above Kane. So whoever comes in will be spending time on the bench. You would expect him to get cup games, perhaps, but the the thing is, he's never going to serve Kane. So he, whoever you're buying in is second fiddle already. Uh, uh, and and again, it's it's about the wages, right? I mean, I don't know what Gabbiadini's making on the on week, but I don't know. I know that we're not going to play Lukaku's pay Lukaku's wages. Right, then also um, the price tag, I think, what Everton are asking for is quite a lot. Yeah. Um. So it's uh, it's either bring somebody up from the academy or stick with Jansen. And, and honestly, I don't think there is anybody that's ready from the academy. No, no. I mean, we had a question. Um, Ed Brad was asking about that whether there's anybody coming through. I mean, uh, to my knowledge, I don't know that there is. In terms, of, I mean, there are lots of good, talented players coming through, but I don't, I'm not aware of a striker, centre forwards, in the traditional sense, um, that that's that's coming through. Um, I mean, you've got someone like Marcus Edwards who's been described as a messy but that to me is more of a number 10 mm-hmm. than a than a target man um uh, is it is Shane Harrison and, yeah. and uh Keziah Sterling are the two that come to mind yeah. but Shane Harrison had a failed loan at at, at uh, Yeovil right and um based on what we were saying earlier yeah. just the fact that doesn't he went on well. loan doesn't bode well and Keziah Sterling's 18 years old mm-hmm. so maybe he's capable of it but uh, you know, it's, 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 I think, I think we'd do better to back our, our, our boy Jansen and, and get off his back a little bit and, and, um, and root for him. Yep. Hope he comes good. People okay. never thought Kane would do any good. Yeah. So, you know, give, give him a chance, give them, give the man some space and a chance. Okay. Final two questions. Um, Davey McGreedy, uh, McCarthy for all the, possession we have in most games and for the shots that we attempt to me it's very worrying that the shots attempted to the shots on target ratio is very poor um, for example over the last two games against Ghent we attempted 35 shots with only six being on target this seems to be one of the biggest problems to discuss um, a bit like what's our, can I just say what's yeah. our goal difference how many have we scored this system season and what's our goal difference it's impressive I said it, I think it was the second best. It was thirty-two behind Chelsea, who had a thirty-six goal difference. And I, I, I went further also, and I looked it up because this, this, this question felt right, but it also, you know, when so, just because something feels right doesn't mean it is right. Um, according to who scored, we are tenth in Europe for um, the ratio of shots on target uh, per game. So it, it doesn't matter how many shots you attempt. If you're if you're if you have shots on target, if you're scoring lots of goals, and you're not conceding lots of goals, it doesn't seem to be a statistic that we should pay too much attention to. Look, personally, the fact, that, the fact that we I agree, and the fact that we're creating those chances is more important for me. If we're not create, I'd be worried if we're not creating the chances. Because if you're not creating the chances, it's going to be very difficult to score goals. Sorry for stating the bleeding obvious, but that's true. Um, and if you create, as long as you're creating chances, then sooner and sooner or later, one or two of those chances will go in the back of the net. Um, yeah, and you look at it against you know the past couple of games. You look at uh, Kyle Walker has sent a couple into Rosie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's 
that that looks at first blush that looks like a problem. Oh, he's got to work on his finishing. On the other hand, look at the positions he's getting. Yeah. And 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 the the fact that he's getting shots off in those positions, that means that so much is going right. That so much is being so much of the defense is being pulled away from this ter- terribly wonderful attacking uh, fullback that he's able to get shots off. If he gets, if he converts one, two of them, forget it. That's that's um, that's he's he's. I mean, he's already world class, right? But so, looking at what we miss is is. Um, I think it's just, I think it's a deceptive way to look at the game, personally. Okay, final question, um, which is from Sam Ricketts, who asks, can you see Harry Kane winning the Golden Boot this season, or do you think it's out of his reach because of his injury? No. How long was he out, and he's on, he's equal with the, the, he's equal leading the Golden Boot now? Yeah. Um, So, you know, from the others having a a head start, he's caught them up, um, and keep banging them in and he'll overtake yeah you know, yeah of course he can I yeah. harry kane one season wonder nope he's just <laughs> three consecutive seasons he last season he was um he won the golden boot is that right yes okay and the season before he, he missed out narrowly i believe to either aguero or costa i think yes Right, okay. Both of whom are, are top quality, whatever we think about Costa, and, and he's a scumbag, but um, they are top quality strikers. Um, and and he's, he's done it. He's only, what, he is 22, I think, or 23, one of those. Um, and he's still doing it. And, and people said he was a one-season wonder. People keep telling me he's too slow, he doesn't have any pace. Um, the guy is a goal machine, Um I don't, I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you there. I don't see that being an issue. The fact that he missed those games. Um, he's well on course to to doing that again. It's, it's best. Gone, Aaron. No, it's it's really worth again not to plug this other podcast too much, but to hear McDermott talk about Kane and his work ethic when he was coming up is it's completely evident in the way he plays because he doesn't have the physicality. Um, that speed. He didn't. Well, he was a little tubby around the, the midsection for a while, right? But he, what he had was this kind of resilience and uh, work ethic, and you just see it still. With you know, in a game where we're up four nil, he he doesn't stop. He never ever ever stops. Um, yeah, there's no problem. Golden boot, sure. Yeah. Okay. He's the most complete striker I've seen at the at Tottenham. He's better than Keane and Defoe, Pavlichenko. He, you know, he is. He's he's exceptional. He I really think, is. I think he's, he's the best we've had since Klinsmann. And by Klinsmann, okay. I, I mean in his first incarnation in uh, ninety four, ninety five. Because all the players you mentioned, uh, uh, so you can scratch Rebrov, you can scratch. Pavlichenko <laughs> and Berbatov, who was a decent player, and Defoe, who, bless him, scored so many goals for us, and Robbie Keane, I really like Robbie Keane. Um, who else have we had in that period of time? Um, Les Ferdinand, um, Canute, Crouchy. Crouchy. All I like, I really like. I've got a lot of time for Pete Crouch. Um, I, Teddy Sheringham was was quite prolific, but a different sort of player could play. Um, 
would would play in the hole and was very intelligent. Um, Chris Armstrong as well. I I I'd say that in in the time that I've been supporting Spurs, um, the standout strikers for me for the first one was Gary Lineker. Um, the next one was Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, Kane is up there with them. Yeah. No argument for me. And those yeah. those two are players that I mentioned, Lineker and Klinsmann, for both club and country, not just at Spurs, but and other clubs that they played for and, and country, they they were world-class players. Um, and is Kane a world-class? Can we use that term, world-class? Well, yeah, why not? Um, he's to me what the lead, one of the lead, he's he's he is one of the leading marksmen in the Premier League. He's up there with Aguero. Aguero and Costa. Um, I think it's okay to mention those two players in the same breath as Harry Kane, in the same sentence. But when when my father and I talk about sports, often he talks about um, immortals, um, players that are almost beyond world-class you know you need a world-class player for example in basketball but you also on top of having a world-class player you have to have an immortal someone who is who's basically untouchable and i don't know if harry kane is an immortal yet um he there were there are moments in which and i think of the of the new year's day game against chelsea and i think of some of the some of the, the goals today where he touched that immortal level where nothing nothing that the defense can do four men around him five men around him it doesn't matter he's going to score um he's getting close to that and i think um if he's getting close to that level of unplayable 100 percent unplayable when he's in, in in brief moments um i think that by definition means he is he's world class he's surpassed he's you have to count him in the in the in the pantheon of the best strikers in the world right now 100 like i mean you can name a few that maybe are are above him can, can i i've got some stats here yeah so the top scorers since 14 15 in the top five european leagues harry kane is currently sitting seventh so he's harry kane has 63 goals lovandowski has 66 Laz Kazette has 69, Ibrahimovic has 72, and Higuain has 73. Then you've got Suarez on 74, and Messi and Ronaldo are stupidly ahead. You know, he's scored more goals than Cavani and Aguero in that time period. So that says to me he is up there and getting up there. And he think about back- who those, those, those guys had yeah. around them, right, to yeah. score all those goals. Yeah. And Lewandowski's, you know, I've got a, a Marek on my team, you know, he, he is a brilliant player and, you know, he shows me videos of what he was doing before he went to Bayern and stuff. You know, Laz Kazet, yeah, he's a good player. Ibrahimovic, you know, he's only he's only nine goals in that time period behind Ibrahimovic. That's a hell of, you know, and look at, I've, I've been proved wrong about Ibrahim, Ibrahimovic. He's a great player, but he to be nine behind him in that time period, that's stunning. Absolutely stunning. That is an amazing stat, stats, and effectively, what we're saying is that he's he's in the top ten in Europe. And like you said, yeah. Aaron, Aaron, look at the look at the, the the players that some of look at some of those other players that that were mentioned, the players that they've played it with, or the teams that they've played in. And yet, Kane is still, and Kane gets heavily marked now. You know, after that yeah. first season, he gets marked. You know, and and the two, I'd like to see a second goal. By the way, today, I've obviously. I saw what I saw in real time, but I haven't seen replays. But um, two great examples last season: the goal against the wonder goal against Arsenal in the two-all game, and then there was a goal at Anfield where 
Um, there's a good bit of skill from Ericsson on the left-hand side, and he played it through to Kane. And Kane had his back face to goal, and he just swivelled and turned and, and scored a goal that I don't think most players would have would have scored. Um, so he, he is exceptional. Right. The second goal was beautiful today. Against, it was beautiful. It, it was with his left foot, as I recall. Yeah. 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 Okay, um, let's finish off with, so talking of um, Aaron, um, plugging other podcasts, um, so as I mentioned, <laughs> at, the, mentioned at the outset, um, you're host of the First Time Long Time podcast. Yes, sir. Um, and you've done, I believe, four episodes. I, I like that the, the last two episodes, which were um, a two-part episode, we sort of split them in, into two parts, um, and mm-hmm. they were really good. Um, to anybody who hasn't listened to Aaron's pod, it's really good. Um, it's available on iTunes and all the other yeah, all of the media. Yeah, everything. There's there's a couple of I was I did something stupid, which is that I didn't look to see if other people had named their podcasts first time long time, and it turns out there are two other first time long time podcasts. But look for the one that says Aaron Wolf on it. Um, there's four episodes, um, and you can find it on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud, and you could also uh, find it at firsttimelongtime.am. And these are, I mean, I listen to a lot of, we mentioned like Fighting Cock uh, earlier, and um, there's other Spurs podcasts that I listen to, Echoes of Glory, Rule the Roost. Um, but I tend not to listen, outside of that, I tend not, not to listen to any non-Spurs podcasts, and this is essentially a sports podcast. Is that right? It's about fandom? Yeah, it's it's the the way I describe it is it's stories about sports for people who may not like sports. And I'm I try to find kind of the hidden stories, um, both sort of unexpected stories, things that you wouldn't necessarily hear just or read about from, from opening up a a newspaper or listening to your standard sports radio or whatever, but also kind of finding the universal truths to me, sports, sports amazing because it represents a, it is like a metaphor for life. And there's lots of hidden meaning in sport. You look at some, somebody like, for example, Harry Kane and his his um, meteoric rise through hard work and not a ton of 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 natural physical talent. He had to w- figure out how to use his um, his work rate and his and some of his deficits to his advantage in order to become a great what we're saying is a world class striker. There's a there's a metaphor there for what it takes to succeed in anything that you do. So I would take a story like Harry Kane and kind of pull out um, the story of 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 what it means to strive and and hope for something. Um, and I've done that with a couple of different things. Jav appeared on an early episode about fandom and 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 um, Tottenham. And actually, I am currently working on the next kind of mini season of these that they take a ton of effort to, to produce. I, they're very heavily edited kind of more like documentary than, um, than podcasts even. And, um, the, I'm working on an episode, uh, about White Hart Lane and the, the stadium in its last, um, moments. I, my, I have a, an experience on my own with, as a, as a New York baseball Yankees fan, um, when when they tore down Yankee Stadium, something fundamental changed, um, both within the, the team and within my connection to the team. And I want to 
I want to hear people's stories about um, White Hart Lane, uh, what it meant, what it's meant to them over the years, what they're feeling about it um, now. So if you have, if you're out there listening to this right now and you have a story about your first time at the lane or um, the time that, that really something changed for you by being there or just any memory, drop me a line. Um, you can find me on Twitter or you can go to the website and there's a contact form um, and you can, and we'll figure out a way to, to get a recording because I'd love to kind of create a large montage of Spurs fans talking about the lane and their memories of, of the stadium. That, that's I, I, a um, something that's a really interesting concept and be one that I look forward to listening to once it's, <laughs> once it's, once it's ready. I look forward to hearing your story about it, Jeff. <laughs> well, if I'm if I'm asked, then I, I shall I shall um, I shall certainly do that. <laughs> right, um, the next podcast we're recording the next podcast probably I would imagine next Sunday evening at some point. Um, uh, we shall see. Um, that's to be confirmed. Um, John, as ever, thank you very much. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Aaron, thank you. Thanks for having me. And on that note, the future's bright. The future's Lily White. Good night. in the dirt. Now gather round and sing it out and